We are digging in the book of Ephesians. It's such a rich and beautiful book. There's oh. so much. It's like eating a whole cheesecake. That's right. There's so much well, in it. <laughs> we're into the section between verse 15 and 21. It's in chapter 1. And what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to help us see what God has in mind and what his plan was about, how he feels about our salvation. He prays that the Ephesian people, and us by extension, would understand who God is. That the light would come on and we would understand what God has in plan for us. We would understand how excited Jesus is to have us home with him, saved, how worthwhile he sees this salvation venture. And we're just into verse 20. Read us verse 20. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand of the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. This is another one of the things that Paul is praying to God that God will enlighten us with. It's kind of like, Paul asking God, can you help them figure this out? This last part, verse 20 and 21, explained in detail just what God wants to do with us. So the power and might that we just read about in verse 19, that he extends toward us mm -hmm. for good, is like the power and might he extended mm -hmm. towards Jesus when he raised him from the dead, brought him to heaven, heavenly places, and seated him at his right hand. So if I'm reading this correctly, the power and might of God is able to, in the hearts of those who have chosen Jesus, resurrect us, mm. take us to heavenly places, and seat us on the throne on the right hand of God. So what Paul is doing by saying in verse 19, that power is towards us, and then he gives us a context of what that means saying this power was used here with Christ and it is also towards you. The power is going to do for you. Dead or alive, Jesus is coming to get you. Okay, now what? He's going to take you to heavenly places. Right. Now what? You're going to sit on, here's the context of eternity. You're going to be on a throne with God on his right hand, which is the preferred side. You're going to be ruling as kings and queens forever with God. Yeah, if any of our listeners have know the Chronicles of Narnia, it actually reminds me of the four children, King Peter, King Edmund, Queen Susan, and Queen Lucy. That's exactly what they did. Once they got there, they became kings and queens in Narnia. And one of the sayings is, once a king in Narnia, always a king in Narnia. And it was just a way that C.S. Lewis was showing this great power that will make God's people, God's bride, kings and queens. Yeah, together. Mm -hmm. I love that 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. forever. Together forever. Yeah. I like that. So let's finish verse 21. Paul identifies who the opposers to this would be. So God mm. expresses his ex exceeding power toward us, for us, to set us as kings and queens with him. And who's fighting against that is, verse 21, principality, powers, might, and dominion. Every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. 
Those are the forces against. That's Satan, his angels, evil people, evil forces, sin. And the context is that we will be taken far above, out of reach, mm-hmm. delivered from. It's Jesus that is the power for this. And so the last two verses in Ephesians 1 help us to focus on that. So there's he's and him's in here. I'll fill in who the he's and him's are. So it says, and he put all things under his feet. The first he will be God the Father. So God the Father subjected, put all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus as head over everything for the church, which is his the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about how Jesus humbled himself. He became a human. He, he set apart his godly powers. Lowered himself. It's Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. It says he made himself of no reputation. In other words, he gave up all his powers, taking the form of a bondservant. That's a slave. Coming in the likeness of men, that's human. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Which is shameful. It's cursed. Jesus, God, gave up everything. He was obedient for the sake of saving us. Is that where Jesus stays? No, oh. because, because at the name of Jesus, every knee yeah. shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So we go on in verse 9 in Philippians 2, and it says, Therefore God, that's the Father, highly exalted him. That's what we're reading here in Ephesians 1.22. It says, God the Father put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church. Back in Philippians, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. So right. here it's talking about those principalities that are opposing Jesus, opposing our salvation, trying to destroy us, and they are eliminated. <laughs> as quickly as that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And verse 11 in Philippians 2 says, And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm. Not just Savior. But Lord, mm-hmm. Savior means he saves us. Mm-hmm. We want that. Lord means we obey him. Right. Lord means everyone obeys him. Right. Everyone, see, to be head over all things. That's back in Ephesians. I'm putting these two verses together. Ephesians mm-hmm. 1, 22 and 23 and Philippians chapter 2. God is going to restore Jesus to greater than he was before, if that's possible. And everyone in the universe is going to be praising Jesus. And all that is going to bring glory to God the Father. That's the last part in Philippians 2, verse 11. It says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm-hmm. Notice there's no competition between mm-hmm. Jesus and God. Mm-hmm. There's no pressure when Jesus is honored, God the Father's honored. Well, they're one in the same I think it's hard for human minds to comprehend the dynamic and the relationship between the Trinity because we're so dualistic in our thinking. We think so either or. And so when we think in the context of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're thinking three distinct parts. And yes, that's sort of kind of true, really, because Jesus is not less than God the Father. 
though he subjected himself to God the Father. You know, so it's very hard yeah. for us to figure out what that really looks like. And so we're, we're using human concepts to explain something that is beyond human comprehension. <laughs> yeah, we need to at some point say, yeah, I am human. I'm the, I'm the human one. He's the God one. Yeah. And know the, know the difference. I think at the end of the day, the important thing is that he is God and he is good and he loves us. Yeah. And we need to know that he loves us. Not only do we need to know that he loves us, when we know that he loves us, we can know that he's got something more for us than what's here and now. That there is restoration to the perfect relationship with him. That's God's goal. That is God's goal. And that's what he puts his entire power yeah. behind. Restoration. Restoration is something we've never experienced. Restoration higher than we could even imagine. Exactly. That's what we need to know. And mm. That's what we can pray for ourselves. That's what we can pray for our children. That's what we can pray for our neighbor. That's what we can pray for our churches. That's what we can pray for our pastors. If we would turn these words into our prayer for those around us, mm. we would be giving such a great gift. This whole chapter, we'll uh, review for a second, all the way back to verse 5. This chapter is all about what God wants for us. He uses the word predestined, that he chose this for us in advance. It'd be just like a parent choosing a happy, wonderful life and a beautiful husband or wife for the child when they're really young. It's the best hope that God could have for us. So when we understand that God's best hope for us is that we would be sitting beside him on a throne in glory, in everlasting joy and peace. That's what God wants for us.